Welcome back, everybody. Best hour of their day. You guys will get to watch in real time me dissolve my partnership <laughs> with one Jason Ackerman. That's what it, all this is for. Uh, we're finally going to rip the Band-Aid off, and it will be mine. Um, no, that's not what this is for. Uh, if you guys have listened to the podcast for any amount of time, you guys uh, remember, do, uh, do you go by, I'm assuming by Matthew, because that's on your screen name. It doesn't, it really doesn't matter. My mom named me Matthew, so it's Matthew. But yeah, I yeah, care. I just, I, but do you not care? I really don't. I really don't. People can call me Matt. People, I introduce myself as Matthew just because I want to be all formal about it. But really, if you call me Matt, I really don't care. Uh, Matthew Becker Esquire. Yeah. Okay, got it. Um, yeah, people say that at the at the seminars all the time. They're like, oh, I don't care, and I'm like, you do. Just say that you do. It's fine. It's your name. Uh, it's totally cool. Maybe uh, I do. Yeah, Maybe I do care since I introduced myself as Matthew. That's my point. I'm glad that we're yeah. working through this, Matthew. Uh, well, I, get, I want to get to the bottom of this. But uh, now I feel all formal with you, so just call me Matt. Um, well, you just said that you introduced yourself in order to be <laughs> formal. Uh, I, uh, I, well, I also struggle with it because I nobody outside of my wife and maybe my mom call me jason everybody calls me fern but i i still struggle to this day introducing myself as fern i just i find it odd to introduce myself with uh, with a nickname but maybe i should just get over that i have no idea yeah. i don't know um outside of that real quick everybody please if this is your first time to the show or it's not your first time in the show and you do not subscribe to the youtube channel what in the ever loving god are you waiting for please do so uh we have lots of good stuff the progression the affiliate hot seat all sorts of things that we make for you to including this podcast with Matt to talk about legal things, which everybody finds mm. really, really enjoyable. We all know <laughs> it's amazing. Everybody wants to talk to a lawyer. Um, <laughs> uh, about right. Don't do it. Don't do it. They're going to be like, I can help you. And then they're going to send you an invoice. You're like, I don't feel like this is helping me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh yes. Thank you, Corey. Thank you for that. Subscribe and turn on your notifications. You guys have to do that subscribe and turn on your notifications anyway uh matt thanks for coming back on the show um sure. we were chat we were chatting about like things to talk about and we had a list most of which we covered last time and i was like we should cover partnerships because this one okay. arguably is one of the more important uh things that you might want to get right in business if you are in fact going to have a partner and and for the most part i'm not i'm not really referring to husband wife or spouse uh, in that nature, that's a that, that is already kind of already done. I'm referring to Matt and I decided to go to business together because uh, we're bros, and then mm -hmm. we do the bro partnership, and then at some point we're no longer bros because of that. Yeah. So, uh, I, Trish, I don't know if we're paying 15 minute increments here. That would be one that we have to, <laughs> we have to ask Matt about. Uh, I can tell you, he's not paying 15 minute increments. This dude right here, I'm not uh, it's not 15 minutes, Trish. It's six tenths. <laughs> I, I don't do math. I have no idea what that comes out to. Um, um, but yeah, we were, we were chatting on this and you know, no secret, like we, like Martin, uh, Marcus is a partner, uh, in best hours. So it's Mar Marcus and Jay and I own the company and we just went through a really lengthy process. Um, it was all very, um, very good. It was very, uh, dare I say, enjoyable, but like we went there for the right reasons and we checked all the boxes and we had all the hard conversations in order to do it right. And I, I know virtually nobody in the CrossFit space that does this um, well. We talk to people all the time with regard to partnerships and it is uh, genuine, generally ends poorly because they've no, we've not done this. I was talking to a guy, I was down at one of the affiliate summits in um, uh, South Central. So we were down in Louisiana this past weekend and I was talking to a box owner there and his partner, he had put in well into the six figures into the gym and him and his partner are 50, 50 and the partner had put in almost $0 and he was but all just, the sweat equity, right? The guy puts in all the sweat. Literally. Equity. That was what they wrote in the agreement. He said that. And I was like, you I wanted can. to be like, you know, that's worth $0, right? Um, yeah. you can, but it, it, it does need to be outlined. So I, I don't know where, how you want to kind of where's the best place to start here, Matt, other than like, you right. should have one, but even you that it's just one. like, you should have a good one right. is probably the better statement, but what right. we could probably start there. Like what makes a good 
operating agreement. Because when we're talking about partnerships, this is what we're talking about. We have to have a, a, a well thought out operating agreement yeah, so that we understand how things work. But what would make a good one? And then we can deep dive down a little bit deeper into maybe some more specifics like that scenario we just talked about. Right. Okay. So let's just kind of get some terms um, on, on the same page first, because even though we, I think when we say partner agreement, we're all talking about the same thing. There, there is a partner agreement and then there's a multi-member operating agreement. Um, okay. and, and so they could be, uh, they, they can technically be different. So okay. let's, the, the, the most basic form of this is uh, you and I go out and we file an LLC mm -hmm. uh, because we want to start a business together. And when you file an LLC, the ruling document of an LLC is the operating agreement. You can have a sole member LLC, which is just me owning the business, or we can have a multi-member LLC, which can be anywhere from two plus members to the LLC. Um, I have a sole member operating agreement or you have a multi-member operating agreement. Mm -hmm. It's all this, it, it's more or less the same thing. Um, usually when people say, partnership agreement that's what they're talking about um but it's it's i will likely refer to it just as as a formal multi-member operating agreement um so where do we start oh well let me let me cover one more thing if you're going to do a corporation you have bylaws okay so that's that's the, that's the other side of that well, correct me if i'm wrong here uh, i think the distinction that we take here just for clarity for the purpose of this conversation is the difference between tax entities and legal entities because they're not always the same is that a fair distinction that is but you, the the corporation doesn't necessarily mean a a tax distinction um well what i guess what i'm referring to is, is like i could have a um essentially a partnership I forget, I have to go back and look at the checklist, mm -hmm. but there's certain, like an LLC, for instance, is not a tax entity. It is a legal entity, is not a tax entity, right? An S-Corp is a, is a tax, that is a tax status. Um, yes, if, if you're referring to something as an S-Corp, you're referring to its tax status. Its tax designation could be an LLC or a corporation. And, and then, correct me if I'm wrong here, I believe, I guess it depends on what you say, a partnership can be both can be both a tax entity and a legal entity and an LLC. Yes. yes. <laughs> you could have a you could have a, a tax entity partnership, you could have a legal entity general partnership, uh, and you can have um, a LLC partnership multi-member partnership. Right. Yeah. Okay. So, so let's not get them too tripped up on and now. Now that I've gone down the 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 rabbit hole of terms, let's not get them too tripped up on all the terms. Well, I I, um, I don't I don't definitely don't want to trip people up, but what I do hope is this just at least causes uh, some degree of pause when setting these things up because these are the questions that nobody. Well, I you know these are the questions that nobody asks when doing that. Like, oh, yeah. we'll just set up an LLC, but I'm like, if it's yeah, not no, no, set no. up correctly, this is a whole shitload of problems right. that you are going to have to deal with down the road. Right. Um, so I do think it's important that like you should do some homework, like you should Google that stuff and figure out like, okay, how am I setting this up? Because, um, you know, this goes into a whole host of problems with regard to depending on your, depending on how your entity is set up and, and feel free to chop, chop me on any of this, Matthew, Matthew, the, if I like corporate, like a partnership versus a corporation, mm -hmm. the, the way those are set up by their very nature will govern how that you, how you can operate, meaning like financially or operationally mm -hmm. within the business. And this is stuff mm -hmm. that most people don't know. So for instance, in a corporation, if you and I are partners, we both have to do the exact same thing. Like we have to settle up on the books by the end of the year, dollar for dollar. Partnership gives me a little bit more leeway to do that, whether it's a holding company or some other things in that nature, mm -hmm. but most people don't have that set up, right? So these are the things that we're talking about. Um, right. So I don't want to go too far down that, but I do think it okay. is worth noting in order to set the table for this. But like, I think what would be valuable here is a little bit uh, kind of like one level below that, which is like the actual kind of like, we call it the multi-member operating agreement. Is that what it was? Yep. Okay. Yep. Yep. Like that, like how, like what makes a good multi-member operating right. agreement. So let's start first by just saying we're, we're going to talk generally in the terms of LLCs because those Matt LLCs is not giving you legal advice, everybody. Yeah, this is the public service announcement. 
Nothing I say can be handled as legal advice or taken there as legal go. advice. You need to call your local attorney in order to make sure that you, you know, you're on board. Anyway, um, we're, we're going to talk LLCs. Corporations are much more difficult, and we don't want to go down that. So the LLC is the cheapest, easiest way to do this. We're just going to go down LLCs. So the first thing you need to do is get somebody who knows what's going when it comes to filing the LLC because in some states, there are two different types of LLCs you can file. Uh, there are manager-managed LLCs, and there are member-managed LLCs. Uh, so before we even get to the point of drafting the operating agreement, because this is going to dictate what kind of multi-member operating agreement we need, you first need to figure out whether you're going to be a member-managed LLC or a manager-managed LLC. Uh, so difference being, <clears throat> if you and I are in a partnership together, and we designate it as a member-managed LLC. LLCs have members. Sorry, it's my dog shaking in the background if you hear that. But um, if you have, so LLCs have members. You're a member-manager LLC. That means that the members essentially have equal power, you know, and, and that's loose because we'll talk more about that. But you essentially have equal power in running the LLC going forward. Everybody has decision-making powers as opposed to a manager-managed LLC, where now the members have come together and nominated a manager or three managers or two managers, and those people essentially make the decisions of the LLC. So that's sort of step number one, is figuring out what <laughs> format of LLC you want. Right, and I think that's the one that people kind of skip or they don't understand. Um, yeah. So it's probably it's probably worthwhile like ironing out the most common scenario. You and I go into business together, and typically the way this there's probably typically one of two most common scenarios. One is we're both part time in the business. Yep. Uh, but even that is like not the real scenario. the The more real scenario is like one of us is investing a significant amount of both time and money, and the right. other is not. Okay. Um, the other scenario might be like you have the money person and then you have the operator, mm -hmm. right? And then that can get a little funky too in many mm -hmm. instances too because it, there was no delineation <laughs> on like how the operator gets compensated. Um, so I think it's worth discussing. So you go into business. Let's just make a scenario up. You and I go into business. I come to the table with all the cash. Yep. How, what's the, what would be the most responsible means of setting that up? The most responsible means is if you have all the cash, you get to control all of the decisions until I have made, I'm, you know, essentially coming through with that, that sweat equity um, it, until we've come up with a way that I'm essentially going to earn my way into the LLC. Okay. So if you come to the table with a hundred thousand dollars cash and I'm coming in and, and, and you're going to be part time and I'm going to be now the full time operator of the gym and I'm going to earn my hundred thousand dollars through sweat equity. That's my contribution. Mm -hmm. Then we now need to figure out, OK, reasonably speaking, uh, a, a successful coach owner, let's just say they make fifty thousand dollars a year. So for two years, it's going to take me two years of working in the gym on an agreed upon salary of $50,000 for me to earn into my capital contribution uh, through our, our partnership, the LLC. So, and, and that for, for, well, specifically there, that, that, that person is getting paid is what you just said. Or uh, no, not, not okay. under what I'm suggesting. Is okay. That's why I want, I didn't think so. I just wanted yeah, to make that because right. when you say that, it sounds like a $50,000 salary. They're like, Oh, cool. I'm getting paid. And I'm like, no, no, no that's going back into essentially you're doing $50,000 of work right. for free in order to get ownership of the business. Right. Is that right? We're just agreeing. That's correct. We're just agreeing that I will, that my work is, is worth $50,000. Got it. Okay. All right. So I work in, in, in that, that two year period being you being the most responsible thing for you to do is the person who came to the table with a hundred thousand dollars is to form a manager managed LLC so that you have full decision-making power on what happens to protect your hundred thousand dollar investment until I've essentially worked off my $100,000 investment. And then we can flip it into a member managed LLC if we want to. Okay. And then 
so that that's kind of one scenario. Yep. The the other scenario that I see is more kind of like I've got somebody that contributes the cash, and then you have the operators. Um, what's your thoughts on? So owners can get paid many ways, meaning through mm-hmm. the, depending on how it's set up. So you can and what are your thoughts on? I'm not a big fan of working for free unless that you can just do that, right? Or unless you consciously make that decision, you're like, I'm willing to make this happen. But if we kind of go in there under the understanding, like, oh, well, I'm going to do 40 hours a week of work. Mm -hmm. In a lot of scenarios, there there should be some delineation, if I'm not correct, between operating pay versus like owner pay or distribution or you taking some sort of you know, profit share out of the business. I see that all the time. So it's just working 40 hours a week and they're like, oh, but we split the profit. I'm like, there, what profit are you referring to? There's zero profit. <laughs> yes. Um, and so maybe, maybe we should also come at this with the operating agreement with the caveat here of like almost every provision of an operating agreement is customizable. Um, and, and that's where, and, sh- and should be, and that's probably like yes. the biggest takeaway from this whole thing. Like I'll give, um, I'll give an example of what we just went through. Like we went through, this took several months actually to, to, if and you we do it went, properly. It will. It, yeah. yeah. And it should. And yes, we paid, you know, a decent amount of money for it, but it was worth it because we talked about, I don't know, several dozen different scenarios about different stuff. And we we're like, what do you think about that? And we're like, no, I don't like that. Okay, well, what do we come up with? And I think that's what nobody does. Like, have all of those hard conversations. You're like, oh, one day I just wake up and I hate Matt. What do we do? And you're like, that's never going to happen. I'm like, mm, probably yeah, will. will. <laughs> Trust us, it will happen. It will happen. <laughs> you you have no idea what kind of resentment you will be dealing with after working 40-hour <laughs> work weeks for free. <laughs> Um, so, I mean, all of this is, is, is completely customizable and, and, and that is a challenge, you know, especially with brand new gym owners who have, who have very little capital, uh, but they want to come in and they want to form this partnership and they want to grow this cool CrossFit gym. Um, you know, could first off convincing them that they need an operating agreement only happens if they know to call somebody. And then second off to say, don't get it online. Um, and we can talk for reasons why you don't just find one online. And then third, the it's worth the investment to go through and actually try to customize some of these terms um, because of things that we're talking about. So, you know, there's a difference between paying yourself as an owner for the work that you do within the business and then paying yourself through distributions. So, okay, you and I are running a gym together and we are going we're we're going in as partners and we're a brand new business um and so we we don't hire any staff initially we're just both going to work but we need to be paid you know profit first if you want to profit first model you got to be paid right. set something aside that you're going to pay yourself in the beginning so part of the operating agreement needs to be that how much you guys are going to compensate or how much we're going to compensate ourselves for the initial work that we put into it um, and, and, a, and a common mistake we see if the, if the gym owner is smart enough to do this portion or, or aware enough to do this portion of it, what we often see is that they just split the profits and they, and, and they then define profits by whatever is on the bottom line after gross revenue subtracted by expenses. You can't do that. There's many things. There's many things wrong with that. Right? It's like yeah, I want to do profit, but then there was no plan to have a profit. I'm like, this seems like a failed plan. You can't do it. So for one, uh, as you've already alluded to, we're not doing equal amounts of work, and yet we're here. We're going to split. You know, if there's ten thousand dollars left over, I get five. You get five. Did we each do 50% of the work? I don't know. The guy who didn't is going to start to get it, or the guy who did more than 50% of the work is going to start to get a little edgy about that. Uh, but secondly, and for the record, it will not take that long for that. No, it won't. To in. No, it won't. Like well inside nope. a year. I promise you. If yep. you're like, oh, no, we're good. And I'm like, no, you're not. I promise you, you'll be salty as fuck in like six months. And don't come at an attorney and say, oh, I'm just doing this because I want to make a little bit of money. Like that won't, it's not going to work. 
it's just it's not going to work. You're, you're, you should you're not be open angry. a business if that is what you are. <laughs> we should not. We should just forego this whole thing if that is your approach. I, I, and I think from a, from a principal standpoint, I, obviously it would be a correlate, but. I would venture to guess that if you set out and you do your due diligence here, it is far more indicative of how you will treat the rest of the business. Yes. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. The, the formality that goes into this stuff will treat you to teach the rest of it formality. And that stuff I try to preach through all of our medias. It's formal. It's formal. It's formal. You have to treat this stuff formally. All right. So you can't just take that $10,000 and split it 50-50 between the two people. Uh, for one, it's not going to be equal. Two you can't leave the business insolvent. So if in month one, you have $10,000 left over after you subtract all of the expenses, and now you have to pay each other or yourselves, you can't just take that remaining $10,000 and leave the bank account at zero. That's called insolvency. And it's gonna get you in a lot of trouble if you ever get caught. Uh, well, I mean, not getting caught. It's not like somebody's gonna audit you, but you know, if you get sued and the business can't cover its expenses, then now you're gonna get in trouble. So first thing you have to do is you have to figure out what's your reasonable payment, what, what, how much are you guys gonna pay each other or how much you're gonna pay yourself for the services that you're doing. And yeah, you can make it flat rates, you can, you can make it based on hourly, you can treat yourself, I'm gonna say this and, and I'm gonna say it loosely, you can treat yourself as employees. Don't read real far into that statement, but basically saying like, I'm going to coach five classes a day. I'm going to pay. We agree that I'm going to pay myself $20 a class for those five classes. Okay, cool. That's one way that we get paid for the hour that we're, or the, the, the work that we're putting in. And we're going to agree to that in the operating agreement. And then let's say once a quarter, because we're not taking all of the money out of the bank account, we're going to continue to grow this little pot. And then once a quarter, we're going to look and we're going to say, okay, we have $10,000 of outstanding liabilities. So we're going to leave that in the bank account. And we have another $5,000 in profits that are just sitting there. Now you and I are going to take a distribution. And usually if we're 50-50 owners, that distribution is done 50-50. So you get to $2,500. I get $2,500. That's called a distribution. So that's, I, I guess, a practical way of explaining the different ways that partners can get paid, but you got to put it in writing. You can't right. just, you can't just agree to it. Yeah. Everything <laughs> needs to be outlined. Like I, like the, and for the record, these agreements, when you like, when the lawyer hands them to you, they will, if done properly, it will not be, it will not be five pages long. Okay. <laughs> like it that. is. It is, um, if, if you were going to read it, it would take a very long sit down for you to go through and, and line by line, look at everything to make sure that it is correct. And that is what you should be looking for. Yeah. Um, if you're going to cover all of those things like that is, that's why this is all the, the contingencies and the, what if so-and-so dies buy sell provisions, like all these things need to be in there because like the reality is like one of them is going to happen. Like if you had 75 different contingencies in there, the reality is like at least one of them, hundred percent will come to fruition. You want to make sure that it, that, it, that you are prepared for that. Yep. Um, and then to include like when you're going to revisit it and all that kind of stuff. Okay. So, all right, pay that kind of stuff. What is probably the next most common thing overlooked in one of these agreements that you see? How to get somebody out of it? It's, That's it's, where I was going to go too. Like we decide, <laughs> we decide to part how to, how ways. To kick out, how to kick out your partner? <laughs> that and that is something. Again, we. Uh, do you need to update the agreements as business changes? I think it depends. It, it depends. Maybe. Hey, yeah. good answer. <laughs> yeah. I think it depends when you say what changes, like the if there's like entity changes or there's, um, chime in here at any point, like if there's. Um, Changes, Partnership changes, distribution or, changes, profit or, changes, or workload changes. Like you could have a non-contributing member in a scenario who maybe shouldn't be shifts upfront, paying yourself less per class to get the business off the ground. Then when you grow to the amount, class goes up. Uh, yeah, you need to adjust your operating agreement. If you didn't put that in there in the beginning, so that's where so I was you could go. you could put that in there to say. You know, in years one and two, we're only going to pay ourselves $15 per class, but years three and subsequent, we will pay ourselves $20 a class. You can put that right in the operating agreement from the beginning. If you did not, 
yes, you need to go back and you need to amend your operating agreement. Or have something in there, like I'm thinking of something that we specifically put in ours too, which is like it, it, in the event that you would have a non-contributing member, mm. meaning like, meaning like mm. I am no longer doing the role that we that we set out and I was doing. And I'm just like, yo, I just want to collect distributions. I'm good. This is all I want to do. That yep. needs to be considered as well. Otherwise, you could have somebody sucking up huge portions of capital and not providing any sort of, um, I don't want to say value, but you know, tangible value to the business, at which point you kind of handcuffed yep. the business from, from a growth standpoint um, is another one. Yeah. So here, so so the biggest issues that we see there is somebody comes in and or somebody calls and says, I've been doing all of the work for the last year and my partner keeps getting paid 50% of whatever each quarter, each month, however they're doing it. Um, and I don't want to continue to pay them because I'm doing all the work. How do I get them out of my partnership? And I say, do you have an operating agreement? And they say, what's, what's that? an operating agreement? <laughs> so that's kind of issue number. That's big issue number one. Big issue number two is they say, yeah, I have an operating agreement. We got it offline when we formed our partnership, or we got it from LegalZoom, or we got it from Rocket Lawyer, or one of those. And I say, great, send it to me. And inevitably, it says that you know the 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 typical language here is that um, you know they 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 may not be able to kick their partner out, but they can offer their partner money to leave. Um, and that's always when, when they want to get somebody out, the, the form operating agreements, good, never, never allow them to kick somebody out. All they can do is offer them money in, in an effort to buy out their, their interest. And inevitably, that value is going to be based on fair market value. And everybody in the beginning goes, oh, cool, whatever fair market value means, whatever. Uh, meanwhile, uh, fair market value means you go out and you have to pay money to have a neutral accountant or, or, or evaluator come in, figure out what your business is worth. Let's say it's worth $150,000 and then you want to buy out your 50% partner. Guess what? You got to come up with $75,000 right. unless you can get that partner to agree to leave for less, which they're never going to agree to. Yeah, that was the other thing is just like the the kind of buy sell provisions in there. Like you, you can outline, and again, like Matt said earlier, you can outline every single scenario mm -hmm. as specifically as you want in these agreements. So I think we had like three or four different agreements. And I think the first one was just like, we decided we want to part ways and I can just offer you a number. And if you take it, we're good. No valuation, no, no nothing, right? I th and the other ones were a little bit more, you know, like uh, if we can't agree to it, then um, then it'll have to go to a third party for evaluation. And then we have to agree on that. But like we outlined all of them. And the first one was just like, hey, can we have a gentleman's agreement here that this is a, that you're good with this number? Yes. Cool. Done. We can save ourselves a ton of money Yeah. in that scenario. Um, yeah. So I, I think everybody forgets that one, too, because eventually we're very likely all going to break up. Yeah. So you might as well plan for that. Um when it's easier when somebody wants to leave. I mean, I mean it's still, it's, right. it's not easier monetarily. It's still going to cost you, but it's, it's in those boilerplate agreements, it's, it's really hard to kick somebody out. Um, it's much easier right. to figure out when they leave. The other, the other issue that you run into with those boilerplate agreements is oftentimes it says, if one of the original members leaves, you have to dissolve the LLC. Right. Nobody, nobody ever, nobody ever right. understands. Well, the, Basically, that means if, if, if a partner chooses to leave, you have to end the business. Well, the other thing to consider here for everybody is you can set the rules for what would allow you to kick somebody else out. Mm -hmm. Like you can just be like, yo, if you do this, I can literally kick you out. And then at which point when you when you start to have these conversations, Everybody remembers those conversations and what happens when you have those conversations and then we both ink the deal is people fucking behave themselves Yep. because they're just like, oh, I'm going to lose wildly if I do this because this was the exact thing that we outlined. You know, say somebody like, uh, like you can put in there if they, uh, financial negligence, that can be one. We're like, hey, if you put the business in financial despair, like I, well, I can just kick you out. Yep. Like depending on what that is. And there's, and, and you, and for the record, everybody doesn't have, you don't have to know all the legal speak here. Like you just have to know kind of what questions to ask and, and come up with different scenarios. Cause that was when we worked with ours, he was like, give me all the things that you guys have thought about. So we gave him like three sheets of paper. He's like, all right, I can take these and then I can start to, to, to fit these in there. And by the way, you should consider some of these too. Right. Um, 
so you can put there in there, but nobody ever puts in there. I just call it like the asshole clause. So-and-so turns into an asshole and starts doing things that are detrimental to the business. They should not be able to stay there and continue to harm the business. That should have been written out that if you turn into an asshole, we just kick you out. Yep. Uh, yeah. And don't, and don't agree from the beginning that you guys don't want um, non-competes in your operating agreements. That that's another like big red flag. When when you know I, I I was looking at this recently, two two people came together and started a nutrition business, and in in the middle of it, they got upset because once again, one partner was doing all the work, the other partner was just collecting their distribution paycheck, and the partner said the the partner who was doing all the work said, well, I want out, but the other partner wouldn't agree. Meanwhile, the operating agreement said that the members were allowed to start and operate competing businesses. So one partner just went out and, and took yeah. all the clients and, and started their own competing nutrition business. Yeah. Like, <laughs> again, you should, you should, I, I think this is the, a, a lens that I, I didn't quite understand the first time, which is like, you should write the operating agreement to keep everybody in check. Mm-hmm. Like if you, if you write this well, every, again, everybody will behave because they know if they don't behave, they will lose everything. Like we have non-competes in ours and you can stipulate what non-compete means by the way. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Right? Like, again, completely you know, customizable. Like, like in this industry, like you can't, you, it's not like you can't ever work again. I mean like, but in the, maybe in this specific industry, stuff like that. And I, right. I people just don't have these conversations, but like you should. And, and the other kind of secondary benefit of all of this is, I don't know what your experience is, um, but what we find is that when you start to have these conversations, it starts to become very clear whether or not I can be in or, and should be in business with this person. Because if you have significant fundamental agreements on some of these things, I'm like, ooh, there's a lot of red flags here that we should yeah. at least take a pause here and be like, oh, or should we do this? Yeah. Like, like we, we disagree on some pretty big, it's like marriage, right? You're married for all intents and purposes. It's, like it, it is exactly like a marriage. If you, if you can't have a, a conversation with your spouse about a prenup agreement, probably shouldn't be getting married. Right. Maybe that's a judgment call on my part. I, I used to practice family law, just saying, um, you shouldn't be getting married. If you can't talk to your partner about what, how much is it going to cost to kick a partner out? probably don't want to be entering in with that partner because they're the ones who are going to sit back and collect that paycheck and you can't get them out. <laughs> you just, yeah. you can't get them out of there. It's uh, it's one of the things when people are starting up businesses, they show us a budget. I'm like, where's your legal budget? And they're like what? And I'm like, you should probably set that up. Cause like, you're going to have to pay, for, you're going to pay for it one way or the other. And the, the, the part that nobody wants to acknowledge is like, yeah, we have to have some uncomfortable conversations. Yeah. However, the back end of this, if you're like, oh, it's cost a lot of money to uh, to have a lawyer. And I know all lawyers say this, but it is true. It's as true as the day is long. It is significantly more expensive to litigate these on the back end when it's not clear. And then we're doing all this arbitration and like we have to go to court maybe on some of this. And I'm like, you think getting an agreement was expensive? Yeah. <laughs> Well, you've not, you've not been sued or sued anybody, my friend, <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll use it. I, a, a kind of an off topic, but related topic to that is, is, is you know, we're, we're talking in some sense about buying and selling here. When, when, a, when a gym owner comes to me and says, I just bought into a gym a year ago and I go, great. Uh, did you do an asset or a stock purchase? And they go, uh, what was that? And I said, <laughs> okay. And we run through the scenario and they have, they didn't paper it at all. They gave somebody $150,000 for the gym on a handshake. Now my, my, like, you know, my, my attorney fee, uh, tinglers start going up because now they have to spend a whole lot more money papering this on the back end to move forward to, to, to legitimately show that they actually own the business that they're now trying to get me to draft other documents for, uh, because they, you know, I always say, well, when you make a million dollars and that last owner comes back and wants their share of, of your million dollar profits, how are you going to prove that you don't know that to them? Um, well, if they would have just hit, done it right in the beginning, it would have been the, far cheaper. The other thing to consider there when buying into a business, um, or, or like it's just a question to be asked that it depends. These are all obviously situationally dependent, but what are the tax implications of that? 
Yeah. Like if any, like nobody ever asked that question. I'm oh, like, they, they, hey, there like, are big tax implications too. Yeah, yeah. I was like, if you buy into that business, I'm like, nobody, they're like, you might be paying some serious taxes on that. Yeah. Like, like you essentially just purchased an asset and they're just like, wait, what? I'm like, yeah. I'm like, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. You better talk to your accountant. Um, and all of this, I think, is just to let's see a large mistake I made. I put in an affiliate my name. Man. Yeah. This is stuff like promise. this. <laughs> yeah. Stuff like this. You're just like, oh, God, it's rough. Um, yeah, good. good luck breaking away and getting your own affiliate open just yeah, in time for like, Murph. Right. <laughs> yeah. Just go punish yourself and be like, why did I do this? <laughs> 24 um, hours do it thomas oh man um <laughs> what else are things sh that people should think about um what does happen if a partner dies so what, yep. what i like to call the death clause yep. um so and 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 this is going to be incredibly state specific so i'm gonna i'll talk generally about this stuff but once again let's go back to the example you and i are in a partnership and i walk out and get hit by a bus uh, what happens to my 50% ownership in, in our LLC? And some states are going to allow you to designate that in the LLC or, or in the operating agreement, uh, but you need a clause because, once again, boilerplate's going to say, if I walk out and I get hit by a bus and I die, death of a member sparks dissolution of the LLC. So, Or it immediately get the, the other thing that um, is to look for is it like automatically goes to the spouse, which you might not want getting there. Not, okay. Yep, sorry. Yep, getting there. Yeah, no, it's okay. <laughs> so the, so, so you, you run into this issue. Okay. So I walk out and I get hit by a bus and we haven't done anything. And, and state statute is going to say, or boilerplate or operating agreements are going to say, you got to dissolve the LLC now. Well, you don't want to shut down this profitable business just because I died. Okay. So that's issue. Number one issue. Number two is, what then happens to my 50% ownership? Uh, because it, you could say in the operating agreement that my 50% goes to somebody else if your state law allows you to move shares, assets in a business outside of probating of a will. Um, so we have to have that conversation with gym owners of, okay, but now we need to call a, a wills trust and estate attorney to find out, do we need to put that information into a will? Or can we just leave it in the operating agreement? And then what you're talking about, Fern, is oftentimes uh, what happens in community property states. Uh, so, you know, Washington is, is, is one that I deal with regularly. Washington is a community property state, which means all assets of a married couple are considered owned 50-50. I think Virginia is too, but I could be wrong. Um, I don't, don't quote me right off the top of my head. I, I actually looked at a list of them the other day. I don't I just, remember. I just quoted you. It's it's done. <sighs> it's already. <laughs> now all those Virginia people are right. No, yeah. we aren't. <laughs> anyway, um, so the problem with the community property state is because we own everything 50-50, my ownership in the LLC is considered a marital asset. So if I die, by default, my uh, my ownership in the in the LLC, if we do nothing else automatically goes to our spouse. And one way we can handle that is we put an affidavit at the end of the LLC that says, yes, 100%, my 50% my ownership is gonna go to my spouse, but my spouse has to step in and agree to all of the terms already in the operating agreement. They can't just come in and, and start to clean house and, and wanna change everything up. If you're okay with that, Fern, if you're not okay with that and you don't want my spouse, maybe you don't like my spouse, but you don't want my spouse coming in and being your partner, we need to address that elsewhere in the operating agreement through what yeah, I call the death clause. Right. And that's one of the ones where you'd say, hey, if you die, then the agreement says that, that your spouse might not get voting rights. But then we have to come like, what would we do to compensate your spouse for loss of income or whatever. But these are all the things you talk about and be like, well, I don't definitely don't want this person who doesn't know anything about what we're doing coming in and just start swinging an ax. Be like, oh, yep. I think we should do this. And now I'm now I'm deadlocked on anything that I was trying to do because they just fundamentally see it differently. Yep. Um, and that also needs to be considered because like, oh, well, I'll just I'll just own the business if they die. And I'm like, no, 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 you and their significant other will own the business. So do you want to be in business with their spouse? And if you don't, then you need to address that. And the, the, and the short answer is, is you probably don't. The, the spouse who is not a CrossFit 
level one correct trainer who who can't even if even if i was doing something right and now my spouse takes over she can't she can't even do anything so now she's getting 50 percent distribution without doing anything what's trish here got uh would she have the power to change the llc manager uh who would 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 you name would you name a third third party party? well you can that's Um, the point of the, the that's the point of the agreement you can set this up however you want yeah. So, so generally speaking, Trish, what, what ends up happening is that spouse comes in and they may get voting rights. Usually you can't change the LLC manager without full consent of all the other managers. Uh, sometimes it might be unanimous. Sometimes it might be majority. That's another thing we have to consider is what are we voting on? What are the voting rights? What needs to be done unanimously? What needs to be done by uh, you know, pro rata majority share. Um, you would not, uh, would you name a third party? If, if you mean, would you name a third party as the manager? I mean, you certainly could do that if all the other members would agree to that. Uh, oftentimes managers don't have to be members of the LLC, but, but sometimes they do, you know, the, the operating agreement could designate that the manager has to be a member of the LLC. Um, but, you know, other other times you could say that the spouse will get the fifty percent. Though she he or she would would inherit fifty percent, my fifty percent ownership, but without voting rights. They right. just they just get the 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 ownership right, um, but they don't get any voting right. They don't get any control. Um, and then oftentimes what ends up happening is the op- the the LLC just turns around and and ends up buying her out anyway. Uh, right, but. You know, and that goes can, back can, to the buy sell agreement. Like, how would you do that? And then something else, people, most people don't, is like, can you fund? The, how would you fund the buyout? You can designate that in the operating agreement. Right. <laughs> yep. This is the stuff I want people to think about. Is like, oh, if that happens, right? So, like, well, let's walk down worst case scenario. Let's say we're the gym's crushing, right? Mm-hmm. It's worth it's worth a million bucks. Mm-hmm. Now I have to buy out my my widow's this widow. Yeah. Or $500,000, $500, right? I'm assuming if the that. guy died, but that was right. But like, but the, how right. are you going to come up with that? And there's ways to mitigate that, right? Like you can cover it with insurance. Like, and as long as you guys agree to like, yo, this yep. is going to be in our agreement that we say like, because I want to think of ways to make sure that we take care of the family in that scenario or my partner's family in that scenario while not putting the business in dire straits financially. Because if you... If you do have to fork up now, I've now I've add, added. Not only am I like down on operating capacity because I've lost my partner, but now I've in now I've inherited, you know, five hundred thousand dollars in liability that I probably mm-hmm. have to take a loan on out to give to give to my partner as a buyout. Now I'm now I'm just set myself up for failure in this scenario where you could go talk to somebody who's in insurance. And be like, y'all, we would like we would like to fund this buyout with insurance. What would that look like? Here's what we, yeah. here's generally what we think it would be worth. What would that cost us on a monthly basis? And at that point, you're covered. It just it's cash payout from insurance provider. Yeah, your LLC can take out insurance on the owners too. Yeah, uh, which is which is which is something to consider uh, based on you know if you're willing to pay that premium um, to get the LLC, and, and you would designate your ability to do that in the operating agreement. Yep. Um, depending. Well, you can dial that up. You can just the, the the premium doesn't have to be crazy. It just be like it's no. based on like what you want to pay out. Be like, hey, here's what this would be worth. It'll cost you four hundred dollars. You know, four hundred dollars, or cost you two thousand dollars if it's worth right. millions and millions of dollars. Like, but you would work that out with both the attorney writing the agreement and whoever you're going to get this insurance policy through. Yep. Uh, let me see. Oh, this is a good one. Just on that same, uh, everybody's basically planning the the deaths of their partners right now with all these <laughs> questions. Trish, Trish, you're going to be on a mm-hmm. on a murder podcast um, after turning over uh, ownership. Um, yeah, I guess you could. Do you mean instead of taking I mean, a lump sum? I think she's just say, "Hey, can I just collect distributions over time rather than be like just being bought out essentially?" And I think yeah. this goes back to like it depends. How you write it? Yeah, it, it would. Um, and you you could you could write that out initially in the operating agreement. Uh, usually, if you're going to have some sort of buyout clause like that in the operating agreement, it's going to say, you know, uh, unless unless you have a set price of shares, then it's going to go to the fair market value, and then whatever you end up having to pay for, you can either pay it in a lump sum, or you can pay it over like, um, I think it's 
the 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 standard language is four or pay pay it out in equal installments per quarter over a course of 60 months something like that so okay. you, know, you you pay out a portion every quarter for 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 five years and you know again that's that's what that's what the the unbiased neutral document says you're pretty much always free to come to a mutual agreement outside of that right. so you know if if the spouse wants the or his or her value in shares but they'll agree to accept that through remaining distributions then by all means i think the the spouse should see an attorney about that though because technically the spouse would have some right to that distribution without having to sell out their portion of ownership interest anyway right um so unless yeah. obviously unless previously delineated in the operating agreement that it would work otherwise right yeah okay, right. okay. now somebody's listening to this and they're just like oh, son yeah. of okay. a bitch i wish i watched this before i entered my partnership with the crossfit gym great content yeah. thanks jeff call somebody get your partnership on the phone because you can do this at any time you don't have to do this right in the beginning no time like the present um, to go ahead and, and and write these or rewrite these or try to get at least something in play that's going to be a good governing document. The uh, and I think the way to approach this, Jeff, would be, hey, we're we're all not covered here, right? So most of the times when you when you would approach this, typically it's just like, oh, I'm getting the short end of the stick here. But the reality mm -hmm. is, is like everybody is typically getting the short end of the stick depending on what the scenario what scenario unfolds mm -hmm. right so I, th I think you just go back and you start from scratch and now i would probably assume that retroactively maybe not retroactively trying to fix this is going to be a little bit more painful and a little bit more drawn out than it would have been otherwise but it's still worth it jeff go back to the table and be like yo i think we should do this for the safety of everyone our families our future friendship, like what would ourselves five years now want to have in place? They'd want to have a better operating agreement. So can we just agree to do that now? And you can agree on who pays all like how you pay for that and all that kind of stuff and reimbursement. Like you can wrap all those things into that agreement if you want, Jeff. The challenge is I'm the minority partner and the majority partner keeps dragging his heels to rewrite it. Yeah. Yeah. That, um, do you have any recourse there? Probably not unless it was delineated in the agreement. Well, I mean, they have an agreement because I was, I was going to say, you know, I, I, I wasn't at the time, I wasn't sure what Jeff's situation was, but any agreement is better than no agreement. A customized written agreement for you is better than, than a standard agreement. So if you have no agreement in your partnership, at least try to get something, even, even the ones that were bashing. Um, but if you have an agreement, I'm just going to have to say, I got to, I got to look at the agreement to see if you can push that. Um, Isn't there something in there about, um, there typically there is about renegotiation and how that is to be initiated. Am I wrong? Um, it can be it, 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 again, it, uh, a lot of times it, it's just going to depend on what kind of form they found. Right. You know, the, it, I've seen relatively good forms and I've seen, I had a partnership once they sent me their operating agreement that was taken from a form company that basically had blanks with an explanation of what to fill in the blanks and they never filled in the blanks. And I was just like, this isn't an operating agreement. Like, sure it is one, but you never actually completed it. So, you know, there, there, there are decent forms out there um, that, that, that you could get that, that may have language like that, that is going to allow you to come in and, but you know, it did, I, I can't, I can't answer the question without seeing the operating agreement. You got to see it. Yeah. What about this one? So you mentioned LLC could take out an insurance on members. Does this mirror life insurance or something similar? What type of policy would, are you referring to? So the short answer to that uh, candy is yes. Yeah. Very yeah, similar. Just call, call an insurance carrier. Yeah. Uh, they, they, know. they are, they're very familiar with how this works Yeah, uh, and they would love to sell you insurance. Uh, just like Matt would love to write your operating agreement. Uh, <laughs> I'd love for you to call me to do this. Yeah, exactly. Right. Uh, have you been hit by a car? I'd love to take your kids. Um, let me go back up here. Um, anything else, uh, Matt, that like jumps to the top of your head with regard to the operating agreements? I know you didn't show up here unprepared, so I'm trying to throw you softball. No, here. no. Some other things. I mean, we we've been we've been tiptoeing around voter rights. Um, 
ever since we hopped on and, and there's going to be a number of instances in which voting is going to pop up in an operating agreement there are two primary ways of voting there there's the um unanimous decision and there is the is the majority decision now when there's only two of you then you might as well just have a unanimous decision on everything but right. if you're going to you have to have some kind of tiebreaker um, and and you have to to designate in the operating agreement how you're going to have a tiebreaker. And it doesn't have to be anything formal. It could be something so simple as literally flipping a coin. Um, I've written that in operating agreements before that the tiebreaker between the 50/50 partners is a flip of the coin. I've uh, I've written it in where the you know, third party present to to verify. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. Well, yeah, or or. Um, you know, you, I've written it in there that the if the partners can't agree, they're going to bring their head coach in, and the head coach gets to be the deciding vote. You know that you you, you can you can write these things these tie breaks any way you want, but if let's talk for a second on more than two members, um, so you have more than two members, and they're not. Well, it, yeah, they they could even be thirty three percent through through all three of them. Uh, but now it becomes really important on which agreements are unanimous versus which agreements are majority, um, and you have to you have which to agreements consider. or which or which well, sorry, things which sorry, things. Yeah, that 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 okay. that's a fair correction. Which decisions right okay. designated by the operating agreement are now to be dictated by majority owner versus unanimous decision? Yeah, because you don't want everything to be a unanimous decision like there should be some freedom in there for me to do certain things and you but you guys just have to agree on what the thresholds for decision making are and they're like no these things definitely are unanimous yeah you know yeah um, and one that one that often doesn't get taken very seriously is um voting on the amount of money that a single member can spend so i always point this out and and i don't ever feel like the members oh, yeah. take the 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 my clients ever take it very seriously, but bottom line is there's there's usually a section in these multi-member operating agreements that says, you know, if if we spend let's just say less than a thousand dollars, then any member can can spend that amount of money without considering the other members. But if we spend a thousand dollars or more, then you have to have the um, the support of at least the majority of the members is 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 usually the the standard language. And, you know, I'll go and, and I'll have a conversation with the clients about like, you guys want it to be $500, you guys want it to be $1,000, you want it to be $5,000, and they just have like no idea. Um, and it's something that you need to think about if I'm sitting in my office and you, Fern, walk in and go, hey, I was just at the, uh, the Rogue yard sale and they had rowers on sale and I know we needed one. I bought a Lamborghini. <laughs> okay, fine. I financed it through the business. The payments are thirty five hundred bucks a month. But trying to make this practical of... firm, bro. Uh, and, and, you know, am I comfortable with you coming back and saying I just spent eight hundred and fifty dollars at the Rogue Yard Sale on a rower without calling me first? Because because you know the, those things go quickly, and you needed to hop on that before it got snatched up. Um, but but you know those are little. Anytime money is involved. It's going to cause an issue. So you got to consider these things seriously. Yeah. All right, what's Thomas got here? This is a great question. So uh, in a spending agreement like this, what is the recourse in a breach of contract operating agreement? Sue for ownership or damages. Um, you would primarily sue the you, – you would sue your members for damages. Um, you've, got to, you've got to show them that they, you know, that they really damaged the, the, the LLC. Okay, so let's just say – you know, we, we have a, an $800 spending limit and you go out and you spend $1,000. Okay, um, don't do it again. It is a problem. Uh, but am I going to sue you over that $200 to be put back into the LLC? That's up to you. That's up to you. Maybe on principle you do it because you wanna slap, I want to slap you on the hand and, and tell you not to do it again. Now, alternatively, if we have a $1,000 spending limit and Fern goes and buys a Lamborghini, you're darn right. I'm going to sue him for violating the operating agreement, and I'm going to sue him for damages. You, you probably, you you probably won't get ownership out of it, but he will have to put that money back into what's called the capital account of the of the LLC. So that's where I was going with that, because there's other scenarios. So let's just assume there is no 
uh, well, in that scenario, so 200 bucks, you, you could write in the agreement and be like, hey, how does that get reimbursed? Like you would just walk through that. Does it get reimbursed where we dock your distribution so that it goes back to whatever? Yeah. Is, but you can write all that in. The other thing to consider there with spending is how and how you spend uh, much of which can be will be dictated by the type of tax entity, right? So in an escort, for instance, let's just say um, Matt, let's just say in this scenario, so like my, my spouse is military, right? So I don't have to pay for insurance, but Matt needs to pay for insurance, like health insurance. Mm-hmm. Well, if he spends that money on it or the business pays for his health insurance, if that's the way we have it set up, I have to be reimbursed at the, at, at an equal amount of the insurance that he, that the business paid Matt. So how you set up your business entities will absolutely dictate who can take what and how much, because at the end, if we're 50, 50 partners, that balance sheet has to be rectified on all expenditures, right? Even if I bought something, if I bought like a phone or something else, like my partner has to get equal benefit yep. in that scenario. So you can't just go spend willy nilly. Um, that will come back to bite you at the end. And most people don't know that. And this is where how you set up your entities, whether you have a holding company with, you know, the, so for instance, like what's your thoughts, Matt, on like, okay, so we create a holding company and then we have, that's a partnership. And then we have each of our individual S corps own that holding company that allows us both to operate freely financially with inside our own S corp. Yeah. I don't, I don't have a problem with you guys doing that. Um, there are going to be tax consequences that I'm going to kick you out to an accountant to understand. There's going to be liability consequences that we need to understand um, because the, 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 the more complex you get with holding companies and individual LLCs and individuals and everything else is making sure, you know, we talked very early in this conversation about this formality of all of this stuff and the less formal you present it, the less formal that you treat it, if you ever get sued on it, the less likely a court is going to honor your protection of the limited liability company. It's called piercing the corporate veil. Um, and, and so the more complex you make this stuff with holding companies and individual LLCs and, and the holding company has to own over 50% of, the, of one of the sub LLCs in order to be a holding company and everything else, the more you have, you have to follow the letter of the operating agreement and the formality of how you treat this stuff. And if you don't, then you're looking at some serious liability. You can't just hide yourself behind a bunch of LLCs working up the ladder to the holding company. Um, yeah, I so- guess I wasn't so much referring to like hiding, but just giving people more freedom. And this typically is like a little bit more relevant if there's more than two partners. Mm-hmm. You know, we're, we're like, oh, we need to. But again, all of this stuff are the things that will come up. And if you're working with the right team and I've got, you know, an accountant and or a tax advisor and an attorney, this is where they might, I don't want to say be at odds, but like, hey, we're going to set it up like this. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. So and so that's going to be a problem for them for X and Y reasons. Yeah. Now we have to think about what are, what are the alternative solutions here for structuring this? And then we write the agreement down from there. Yeah, but and it's, all, it's but all of those things again should be the litmus test for like is this going to be a good partnership? Yeah, if if again if you're going to have an, your LLC buying into another LLC, that's fine. But now you have to treat both LLCs formally. So you as Correct. a sole owner LLC need a sole owner operating agreement, um, and then you're buying into a new LLC. Now you need a new LLC operating agreement, and you can't just go to your accountant. And ask whether or not you should do this stuff because the tax implication answer is going to be different from the legal implication answer. Correct. Same thing, Correct. you know, somebody comes to me and says, Well, should I be an S Corp? And I'm gonna say, I don't know. Yeah, I, I'm just I'm just con- I'm just concerned about you being an LLC. I don't care what your tax designation is. You know, you're like, and, I'm not an accountant. <laughs> and, and that person is potentially going to go, oh, well, my attorney said it doesn't matter what my tax designation is. It didn't really say that. <laughs> you need to yeah. go talk to an accountant yeah. because my, my concern from a tax, I don't care. Like, that's not my concern. My concern is merely that you have an, your LLC and that you're treating the LLC formally. Yeah. You need to go talk to somebody else. I may have to talk to your accountant because the accountant may not understand 
the legal aspect of it, just as I may have to talk to the accountant because I may not understand the tax aspect of it. So we all need to have these conversations, but you got to treat this stuff like it's a real business. Yeah, I, it should just, if you, the I, I found the best way to do this is approach this as if we are going to break up. So when we break up, what makes this an amicable breakup? Yep. And write that agreement. Like whether it's three years, five years, we make a good billion dollars and Matt's just suddenly, he's like, I'm good, dude. I'm going to sit on a beach and drink mimosas, man. And That's I'm like, right. well, I still want to jam on the business. Like, what does that look like? How do we resolve that so that everybody gets what they want? And again, if you have all these conversations, people tend to behave. doesn't mean somebody won't lose their mind and do some crazy shit, but people tend to behave when you cross the T's and dot the I's on the front end because they are aware of what the ramifications of that are if they decide to go off the reservation and do some crazy shit. You have to set the expectations. Yeah. I, I, was, I was telling somebody today, um, what, what we do, and, and this isn't a plug, this is just a, 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 to, to follow this track, what we do at Gym Lawyers is not protect people once they're sued. We, we try to prevent people from being sued by helping them set the expectations because the more expectations you have set and the more people understand what's going on before they go into the situation, the less likely you are to be sued. Um, to to so. use an analogy, like this is the same thing, and we talked about a little bit, by doing this openly and transparently on the front end is no different than the way that we teach people to write agreements, right? If you write agreements for your members inside of the walls of your gym mm -hmm. that are transparent and they are simple and they mm -hmm. are logically built, you have significantly less problems on the back end when somebody cancels their membership because they knew what the rules were. They right? So instead of them like ghosting you and doing all this other shit, they're like, I don't want to do this. Right. They're like, Hey, I know I owe a cancellation fee. Can you please just let me know what that is? And you're like, yep. that was really pleasant. <laughs> I want you guys to think of it that way. Like you have to treat this the same way. The harder conversation we have on the front end, the easier their conversations will be on the back end. Yep. Good. Anything else, Matt, anything else? No, I think we touched on, on a lot of the high points. Um, and I think I think we did a if I can if I can promote ourselves each other for a second for I think we did a good job of of making it clear I think we that, did a fucking great I think job. we did a good job of, of just <laughs> driving home that that this stuff is all customizable um, and it's just it's very important to have when everybody is happy it's important to have these these discussions because we can't wait until everybody's mad you just right but call yeah. somebody like like us call an attorney who knows these scenarios and knows what to look out for and, and can write these things for you. hundred percent. And I think one of the things that I misinterpreted or misunderstood on the outset is that it, it is highly likely that you and your partner or your potential partners can all get what they want in the agreement. And I think when a lot of people go into this, they're like, well, I don't want to do that because I'm going to get screwed over. And I'm like, nope, it's just a more thorough conversation. Mm -hmm. What does that person want? What do I want? How do we marry those two ideas together? And you can write that into the agreement. And it, remember, th I, this is probably the most important part. You are not the person responsible for solving that problem as the owner in the agreement. You are the person responsible for voicing your concerns so that the attorneys can write the agreement right. that would solve your problem. So right. just tell them, here's what I'm worried about. And they're like, cool, we'll write that in there. And be like, here's what I'm worried about. And they're like, well, they'll write that in there. And then all of a sudden, everybody's good. And then everybody behaves and then you guys can operate, you know, the way that you're supposed to in a good partnership so that ev because everybody, we did it right the first time. So um, if you guys have questions, reach out to Matt. Uh, it's just gymlawyers.com, right, Matt? Yeah. 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 There we go. Right there. Boom. There it is. Look at that. Um, yeah. Reach out. Um, we've sent, you know, uh, quite a few people Matt's way. I'm very happy. I think Candy put something in there um, earlier. Um, if you guys have questions for us or, or, or you want to send something specific over to you, don't ask me for legal advice. It will not give you any, um, um, but if you guys have questions, hit us up. We're happy to kind of, you know, kind of give you our thoughts on it and then hand you over to the professionals for that kind of stuff. But subscribe to the YouTube channel. I thought we gave a bunch of really good information here, dude. I thought this was, I think so. I think really it was beneficial smooth. for people. Let and me, think, let me, let me do something real quick though. Fern. Yeah, go ahead. For people who are listening to this, I know that that attorneys are 
scary assholes who like to charge a lot of money for things that 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 we do what but i just want i just wanted to leave the listeners knowing or the the watchers knowing that just because you call me doesn't mean you're going to get a bill okay part of what we do is we provide education so if you just have a question and you just you're, you're like sitting there and you're like i don't want to call him because i'm going to get a 200 dollars bill if i call and ask a question no you're not okay you're you're going to pay me if i have to do work for you but to call me and ask like what do i do in this scenario it's a free call so yeah and you're not I, locked I just, into I just anything want to know it, meaning like, hey, if you want to set up like a full formal consult where there's going to be a little bit of that, like there, that might be a bill. It might yeah, not. Sure. Again, ask the questions and they'll tell you like, hey, my consult fee is this. And you're like, do I feel okay with that? Okay. Yeah. Yes or no. And you might come out of that not having to do anything, but at least you'll feel good about it because you will have gotten to get the appropriate information. Um, from somebody who knows what they're what they're talking about. So, um, yeah, I thought I, I I wanted to chat about this topic specifically because it is a um, a running problem in the affiliate space. Not partnerships specifically that there are not appropriate agreements in place for said right. partnerships, so that somebody doesn't feel slighted at the end of the day when it doesn't work. We're not talking right. about the financial implications of a partnership. That's a different topic. Just making sure that we've got something in paper, like we both feel good about regardless of what the outcome of this is. And that means you have to have a hard conversations. So, yep. Um, Very cool. Cool. Thank you for coming on, man. I think this was beneficial. I think this will prompt a lot of questions, which is kind of the point. So, <laughs> Bring um, them my way. I wake up yeah. in the morning excited. Send them over. Stuff. But outside of that, mm. uh, thank you guys for throwing those questions into the chat. That stuff is Thanks, really, guys. really helpful, particularly in these scenarios. And uh, again, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Turn on your notifications. Um, do you guys have a podcast or anything, Matt? Or are you just no YouTube okay. channel? Jim Lawyers. Okay. Um, Instagram and a blog. That's our three cool. forms of media. Awesome. All right. Well, thanks again, brother. And we will see you Thank guys you. next time. Awesome.